episode of Beating Alpha. This is episode 65, and we have a very special guest that I'm very excited to be talking with, as you see here on the screen. His name is Anthony Scandariato. So he graduated from Cornwell University with a bachelor's degree, degree in applied economics and management. Uh, he was also a co-founder in Ridgeview Partners. He specialized in retail space with a vertical model that provided flexibility to serve multiple customer uh, segments with similar product lines through retail, wholesale, and production contracting channels. He acquired and developed growth of 100 plus retailers with five first year's uh, operations. He later moved on to acquisitions and asset manager vice president for Vision Properties, where he directly in, involved and response, uh, responsible for sourcing, negotiation, and managing the acquisition of $594 million of Class A office assets. So as you see here for this uh, quite a long bio, it's going to be a very interesting interview that we're going to have today with Anthony. But first of all, it's a pleasure uh, to talk in with, to be talking with you, Anthony. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So again, like, I don't know where, where do we start? Because I mean, it's a, it's a big bio. You have a lot of experience in real estate. So maybe we can talk about your journey uh, personally. How did you discover real estate investing? Why did you choose this path? And how did you end up, you know, uh, you know, having all these millions of dollars of assets in management? Sure, sure. Yeah. So to just back it up a little bit. So uh, that bio, I should really update my bio, but um, no big deal because it's a little bit dated. Um, so, but it paints a good picture. So the story is, uh, I had a startup company in a different industry altogether, consumer products and retail. Uh, I stepped aside from the startup company at a certain point in time when we built it up and wanted to pursue real estate in an investment capacity, whether it was for someone else or the ultimate goal was to try to build a portfolio. So what I'm doing now is I'm the co-founder uh, and one of the managing principals for Red Knight Properties. And we acquire multifamily and mixed use properties that, that are undervalued uh, within the tri-state area um, and, and the East Coast up and down. Uh, we have about 264 doors under management, which is about 35 million AUM, give or take. Um, and you know, we're mostly focused on the workforce housing uh, segment, uh, mostly class B minus C plus garden style, walk up two to three story apartments where we can go in there and raise revenues and decrease expenses through a value add strategy. Um, so that's that's what I'm up to now. So, but the background was the, the startup, different industry, and then I worked for another commercial real estate sponsor who focused on class A office, as you mentioned, uh, properties, mostly multi-tenant investment grade um, assets. Um, I was there for five and a half, six years. And, uh, you know, while I was there, I slowly bought some properties on the side um, and saw the power of passive income and passive cash flow. Um, and just really wanted to take that in another direction. So that's essentially how I got started and you know, where I am today. Okay, okay, so that's kind of in a nutshell. But again, you have an experience uh, with the classy office you know, assets and now you 
you know, changing a direction and going into still commercial, but multifamily, you know, property. So why, because again, you know, class A offices, I mean, they're, they're probably in high demand because they're brand new. So you can buy, you can get, uh, you know, big companies that would pay, I, I don't know, again, the leasing system, maybe you can explain that a little bit to the audience and the difference, why somebody should choose, you know, multifamily instead of, you know, getting these class A office buildings. Yeah, so it's a great question. So the thesis around pivoting to multifamily was everybody needs a place to live at the end of the day. Office, you could do very well with it. Depends where you're buying. Depends on the sub-market, micro-market. Micro Depends on the type of product, whether it's suburban versus CBD. Depends on the demand for office space versus supply. There's a lot of different factors with office and i'm not saying those factors don't apply to apartments but historically and from a risk perspective i think multifamily is one of the safest asset classes in my opinion and the most easy to understand as well um you know multifamily storage and industrial are kind of the, the three hot ones you know right now obviously we're coming out of the you know coronavirus crisis for recording this in September. So as you can see, the multifamily properties have been very stable for the majority of apartment owners in, in the country. Office mm -hmm. buildings, people are working from home. Yeah. Um, a lot of companies are leaving the city, you know, and, and these, these are not just New York City, which is where I'm basically based, um, but all over the country, they're downsizing. They're trying to sublease space. They're seeing that working from home is possible. However, I do think that's going to flip because I'm reading studies where productivity has gone down, especially for employees in my age group, uh, kind of the millennial age group. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it, I, office will come back in my opinion, but it's a little bit more cyclical, I think, than apartments. So that was one of the reasons why I decided to choose the apartment route, especially in the workforce housing segment where, you know, we're not buying super, super low end. We're not buying super, super high end. We're kind of right in the middle. Mm -hmm. So um, when you look at the last recession, which was a financial recession, this is a public health, you know, emergency, which unfortunately caused a financial recession, um, but it was a little bit more forced. Um, you know, we would have had some sort of recession anyway, because we were in a somewhat of a bu bubble, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but we're, you know, obviously, as you can see in the U.S., we're, you know, our stock market's growing and, and, and the economy's getting better, unemployment's going down. So we're recovering for sure. It's still going to take a little bit of time. Um, so I think when you look at the last recession and you look at the workforce product, you look at vacancies, vacancies are very tight still. Uh, you look at rents, rents have still... The rents still went up, even though it wasn't substantial, or they still went up. Property values went up a little bit. Um, and just looking at it over the long term, I mean, you know, it for me, that just made a lot of sense. If it performed during the last recession, the next recession we're going to have, it's still going to perform, and that's what we saw. So our collections for rent over the past uh, five months or so, on an average basis, you're looking at 94 95%. So that's much better than you know, you have an office building that's maybe 60% occupied, 70% occupied in the first place, mm -hmm. pre-COVID, 
and now it's going to be 50 40 percent you might even have to end up giving keys to back probably not because they'll probably work out some arrangement you know with you as, as the borrower um but to me it just it's it's definitely more safe um it's 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 definitely a little bit more tangible easy to understand um you know the, the values don't fluctuate too too much unless you're doing luxury in my opinion so and we we stay away from the ultra luxury yeah yeah well it definitely makes sense you know because uh, i don't think that you know like office space like particularly class a you know brand new would be bad but like in the times like these you just have to pivot and kind of recalibrate your you know invest investing decisions so you know it's good you know i'm happy for you guys because you made that decision to pursue multifamily, which is like everybody needs a place to live, right? That's, that's the main thing. Uh, yeah. And everybody can work from home. So, you know, it's good that you're making those decisions ahead of the time, you know, where, where you know, things like that happen. Nobody planned like COVID is going to happen. So, but you're in a good position and in a really great asset class to make sure that you're going to, not even going to survive, but going to thrive, you know, even moving forward. So, so congratulations, okay. you know, on that. But you. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, that you're choosing kind of in the middle. So again, for the people, like, what does it mean that you're choosing, you know, multifamily properties in the middle? Because I've seen you have all the properties that you have currently in New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, so, well, yes, yes and no. So right now we're based in New Jersey. We're about 45 minutes outside of Manhattan, New York. So properties that we have are pretty local to us. So we have properties in New Jersey. Uh, we just bought a property, in, our first property in Pennsylvania, which is right over the border. And we do own a property in New York State. Uh, we are looking in, so that's three states. Um, we are looking in other markets now. Um, you know, for, for us, it was, you know, what I would recommend, at least to put it worked for, for us, was to, you know, we still property manage everything. So especially when you're, you know, starting, wanting to get into multifamily or, you're trying to build a track record might make more sense for you to property manage instead of outsource that. Um, so we built up a management team where, you know, we're kind of able to look in other, other markets. Now, I think it's important to diversify as well. Um, but that's, that's where we're based. That's where we've been, been focused uh, so far. That's where we own all our units. Yep. Okay. Cause, cause like personally, like I heard that some of the States, uh, might be including, you know, New York, it might be more kind of a tenant, you know, friendly against of, you know, landlord friendly. So how do you like get these, you know, again, during times like these where people probably you get a lot of, you know, delinquency, like people not able to paying rent. So like, how do you handle these, these type of situations currently during the COVID when it comes to the tenants and, you know, paying rent? Yeah, so we don't open the floodgates and say, hey, if you're having problems, call me, you know, because then every tenant will call. So we wait for them to reach out to us. Or if they have, if they're behind by, let's say they don't pay by the 10th, we will reach out to them and see what's going on. So, um, you know, what we've been doing, um, and it hasn't been too, too many. There's, like I said, the collections have been pretty strong. Um, you know, it's kind of similar to pre-COVID collections maybe one point two points less um what we've just been doing we've been working out payment plans mostly payment plans so it's i've had some people pay you know for, let's say they lost their job or whatever the case may be half you know half rent for let's say august 
and then they'll catch up in September to pay everything. Um, I've done stuff like that. Um, you just got to be flexible. I've done weekly plans. Yeah. Um, you just got to be flexible. Um, but I, you know, in terms of tenant friendliness and landlord friendliness, um, New York City is definitely tenant friendly. Um, even before COVID, uh, we don't buy in New York City for that reason, or the outer boroughs for that reason. Um, I also think the prices are way inflated. So that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. Um, New Jersey is definitely better. Pennsylvania is definitely better. I'm not saying they're great, but they're better. Um, so right now we're just, we're, we're working with people and, you know, we're not, uh, we're not seeing too much issues. Um, but you'll, you will, you will have some issues with people. Um, but it's, it's typical. You're always going to have exactly, issues yeah. with renters. So. Yeah, exactly. So when you're talking about looking for different markets, maybe you can talk just, you know, what type of market, what type of states are you looking for uh, to be investing in? What type of, again, um, asset class, because you're talking about value add property. So, but what those states would be? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say just, you know, like I said, if there's someone just trying to start out or whatever the case may be, you know, if you know your where you're, where you are, if you can invest where you are, that's always the best, always. Um, you know, if, if there's other, you know, within reason, within an hour, hour and a half, mm -hmm. it depends how big the property is. So, um, you know, within reason. So, you know, what we're looking at now, um, and also you just have to be educated with the other markets you're going to expand to. Um, you know, like, again, I, you know, I kind of had the advantage to work for somebody else. Although it was office, we were buying Florida, Maryland, uh, North Carolina, Georgia. I mean, we were buying pretty much all over the East Coast. Yep. So I have exposure to these markets already. Not saying it's the same asset class, but at least I've done deals there. So um, those markets are very interesting to us as well. Again, it's a different beast because it's different than what you're used to. So as long as you're educated, uh, as long as you align yourself with the right people, um, you, have, you know, you have a team that you can build on, um, it could make sense. So, um, you know, states like Florida, uh, for example, North Carolina, um, you know, we're kind of potentially looking in. So, um, you know, definitely doable from the tri-state area, you know, a quick plane ride, or you can even drive. Um, well, drive is a little bit worse, but you can still do it. So, um, but again, so you have boots on the ground, you have people that you trust. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely agree with you. And again, uh, shout out to your uh, partner, Brian Leonard. Uh, you know, he's, uh, well, I, I just looked at the bios of yours, because again, as you said, yours maybe has to be updated, but it's still, I, I mean, it's, it's really impressive of what you're accomplished so far, even though it needs to be updated. So I'm sure you accomplished even more, you know, during, uh, you know, recent years. But I see that you have a bachelor's degree in applied economics and management, and I thought it, it, it should be mentioned, you know, you have that. And your partner has a, a degree in school management and labor relations. So I think, I think both of your qualifications and different degrees is just match perfectly, you know, for a real estate business. And I'm sure, I'm sure you're doing super well with it. 
So, but talking about the teams, because uh, I know your your approach in a marketplace. Again, when you acquire acquire the properties, you don't buy, you don't acquire these properties just for yourself, right? You 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 make it a syndication. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. maybe you can tell people what real estate syndication is. Sure. Yeah. So, well, our, we, we're twofold. So we do buy joint and joint venture structures and we do do syndications. So there's a little, there's a slight difference. So the syndications are um, basically pooling financial resources together to acquire a larger property. So, you know, we don't go and buy five, 10 million, $20 million property with our own money. Although we invest our own money, we don't, it's not a hundred percent our money. So usually we, uh, partner with individuals who are looking for passive income that work, you know, a W-2 job and make a good salary and have excess funds to put into another vehicle that's not the stock market, which I'm seeing a lot of people trying to get out of. So um, that's basically how we're structured. So, you know, sometimes we'll have 20, 30 different individual partners on a property um, sometimes more, sometimes less. So, but they, they're typically a hundred percent passive. They just, they don't want to do anything. Obviously we're coming in there and doing all the work and, um, you know, that's how we're able to buy larger deals. You just got to combine and utilize larger resources. So, and I think it's really important. Yeah. Got it. So what would it take for somebody as it says, talking about W2, uh, again, kind of small business, business owners, like what are the regulations by the SEC? Like how, who is, who is the, you know, like if I'm, can I invest with you? Like how do, who, who's determining, should I be investing? Can I invest? Like what, what are the requirements? Yeah, yeah no, it's a good question. So yes, yeah, so there's SEC requirements. So uh, 506B is one of the syndication, you know, um, laws as well as 506C, 50, and the, you could, you know, you could, there's an accredited investor and then there's a non-accredited investor. So SEC actually just updated their definition for an accredited investor uh, to be a little bit more loose than what it was before. So it really depends on the opportunity. So basically the 506B states, if you have a pre-existing relationship and there's certain parameters you have to meet in order to basically say you have it, if you ever get audited, if you have a pre-existing relationship, um, most of, actually all of our deals have been 506 Bs. So it's, I have a pre-existing relationship. I've known these people for, for a while and you could prove that. Um, and we're not like marketing our deals. So I won't go onto LinkedIn or Facebook and say, hey, I have a hundred unit property and the minimum investment's 50 grand. Here are the returns. Like I don't do that. So I usually have a small group that is already in the network that, you know, I have a relationship with that, that I will personally send, um, you know, call or email if we do have a new opportunity. Um, again, you can do the 506C route, which is basically you can solicit. So you can post on Facebook, you can post all over the place you want. Um, you have to, you know, do what's called the official PPM, which is, you know, it could be relatively expensive. Um, we still do PPMs for 506B just to cover ourselves. Um, subscription agreements. So that's still, everything's basically the same, um, except that it's, you know, the 506C, if I understand, um, is, is limited to accredited investors only. Mm -hmm. So, you know, accredited investors, I think it was 
an income, I think it's the same, but it was an income of, if you're single, I think it was 200 a year uh, and or you had to be a million dollars net worth, excluding your primary residence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're married, I think it was 300 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, because sometimes um, you have, you know, younger people that may not qualify for that yet, but they want to still invest in real estate. So, um, you know, typically if you have, let's say you have 10 investors, you're fine with the 506B. If you have, I think it was more than 35, mm-hmm. you, you'd have to have some accreditation for all of them, or I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not a legal expert, but um, yeah. So for, for us, for the most part, everybody's accredited. Um, but it's it's not something that we have to to verify because of the pre-existing relationship number one, yeah. uh, and because it's it's not many, it's not too many investors anyway. It's not over thirty-five, so um, yeah, you could do it either way. I think the larger the deal, um, you could you know you, you might want to do the five hundred six C and spend the money and the resources, but you know the smaller the deal, um, you know you just consider doing the five hundred six B. It's not worth the headache. Okay. Got it. Thank, thanks for that. Thanks for explaining the differences and what, what is the syndication is. Uh, again, sure. for people who want to explore, again, as, as uh, Anthony said, he's not a uh, uh, you know, legal advisor, so you should guys go and, and uh, do your own research if you want to learn more or maybe get in contact with Anthony as well and ask him the questions. But uh, what will be the difference? Because you mentioned, again, we're talking not about big deals. We, we're not talking probably, you know, 300 plus unit property. So what will be the difference, you know, let's say maybe from the investor side, you know, what your current investors are saying, because I'm sure some of those investors maybe owned a properties themselves some time ago, or maybe they still own them, but why, what will be the reason behind why they choose the path and go invest with you passively? Like what will be the difference between investor active and passive? You said it. So, you know, the passive, you do nothing. Um, and you know, I, I invest passively too. So I invest with, if other operators have deals, I'll, I'll invest with them. It's also, you know, you want to leverage your time. Um, and you know, again, expertise plays a factor into it because, you know, I may have someone, they want to come and deal, um, and say, but they might say, oh, well, I want to be active. I said, well, you understand what active means? It means you, you're going to have to oversee the, you know, the super, you're going to have to oversee the leasing team. You're going to have to figure out you know, the financing, you're gonna have to figure out the equity, you're gonna have to figure out the construction. Oh, I don't wanna do any of that. I just wanna collect the check. I say, okay, well then stay passive. And they usually say, so it's, it's a mat, it's a job. Active is a job. Mm-hmm. So passive is not, um, you know, but, but yep. there are certain people that wanna be active and wanna play a role. And I always try to work that out. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's definitely a difference, so. For me, if I had to, you know, I'm a younger guy, but, you know, um, eventually I'll want to, I'll do the same thing. I'll just invest with other operators. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, because again, you, you have these small operators out there, you know, who own, you know, four, eight, 16 units. And they're just like, hey, look, I'm, I'm getting more income than it, rather investing with somebody else passively. And it totally makes sense. Uh, maybe that was my question, you know, why should, so, should somebody go and invest passively and, 
get smaller check rather than investing, you know, themselves. But again, as you said, it's a full, full-time job. Like you're going to be managing, managing the properties. You're going to be fixing the toilets, you know, all the, like all the problems when it comes to the management and the property. And there's so many, you know, expenses that might not be in your business plan that might come up, you know, so it's a very tight budget, I think for small properties and, you know, for big properties and big operators, it's, you know, easier to manage because you have a management on site, you know, and again, you don't have the headaches, you know, fixing yeah. the toilets and getting all the calls at night. So. Yeah, definitely. So that's number one. I'd also say in terms from what you just said with the returns, um, that's not necessarily true. I would, in my opinion, because you know, for someone to own two family, three, family, whatever it is, usually they're not too sophisticated and they probably bought it wrong. I've seen it happen all the time. And they're really not making much money. So again, it comes down to expertise. So if you want to invest with the right operator, they're going to know, okay, this is a good deal. You know, I can, I can knock it out of the park still um, on, on the return basis. Um, Cause I've seen a lot of small investors just, you know, they, they invest in, in, in stuff like that. And I'm, I'm like listening to some of the numbers and like these guys making like 2% on his money a year. Like, does he understand that? You know, like, so, um, I would never do a deal. I make 2% of my money. Might as well buy a CD. So that's, um, you know, it's, it's also comes down to a level of, level of expertise and finding good value at opportunities, because I could tell you one thing, I'm not going to, I wouldn't even buy something that's a 6% return. I mean, we're looking for like 15 plus. So that's, uh, you know, on the same mentality of people who think, okay, well, if I buy it myself, I can get made greater return. Well, actually, I'm on the same boat. I want to get those returns too. So, um, you know, that's uh, on an IRR basis I'm talking about. But Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm just looking at the website, just going through the website and I have all these questions come, come into my head. And uh, what I'm seeing here, the events, uh, you know, tab. And like, do you have any events coming up? Maybe not networking, you know, face-to-face -face, uh, with the social distancing involved, but maybe, you know, uh, over the zoom just like this that people can get in touch with you and you know learn more about what you guys are working on sure yeah so um you can the best way to get in touch with me is actually if you go to our website rentnightproperties.com uh, but we have a free uh ebook so as soon as you go on the website it's how to leave your nine to five and reach financial independence it'll pop up um just put in your your name and email and you'll get that um and then you know what what i'll do is you know potentially you know, reach out to you or whatever the case may be and, and understand what your goals are. So um, that's the best way to reach out and to get some content. As far as events go, yeah, we, we do um, in-person networking events. Um, I don't know, we have to figure out when we're doing the next one. Probably, I don't know if we're going to have any this year, but we'll definitely have them next year, obviously. Uh, we've been doing uh, Zoom networking events um, pretty much every month. Um, and then we've had webinars pretty much every month. I think we have one on the 28th of September, another one, uh, which I haven't marketed yet. Uh, but yeah, we're always doing, we're always doing something. So uh, we always regularly have like monthly networking events and, you know, webinars and I'll post, I'll post other events as well. Awesome. Awesome. And I see you that you have a podcast uh, episodes as well dropping. It's called discovering multifamily 
uh, with Anthony yeah. Scandirat on Brian Leonard. So make make sure and go uh, find that on iTunes. And I'm sure you guys are all over the place. But can you talk about what are you talking about on the podcast? Like, do you have a guest on? Like, what's what's happening with this project? Yeah, no, uh, we have about 60 episodes so far. Um, you know, we try to post as many as we can, uh, you know, every week. But um, yeah, we, we, we basically discuss real estate, multifamily specifically. Um, I've had people come on from other, you know, asset classes and even different industries, but it always comes back to real estate. So, um, you know, everything we're focusing on is building wealth, how to do that, um, how to achieve financial freedom, how to get passive income. Um, and, you know, it's more of educational. It, it actually, it's really more educational for me. It's just like, a, just like this, recording a conversation and sharing it with the world. So uh, it's more of an educational platform that I want, you know, I like to share with people. Um, I think, you know, knowledge is power. So. Oh, definitely. Definitely agree with you on that one. So talking about knowledge is power uh, for people who are watching this episode and thinking like, oh my God, Martin, you just uh, talking about investing passively. What about me? You know, the person who is looking to get involved, uh, same as Anthony, maybe, you know, creating an LLC and running uh you know, uh, a real estate company and acquiring all these, you know, multifamily assets, like where do people start when it comes to, you know, books, seminars, mentors, events, like what is, what is the first step for those people? Yeah. Um, like I said, there's a lot of free resources. That's why we put out that, that guide on, on our, on our site. Um, you know, obviously bigger pockets is a great resource as well. There's a lot of different real estate websites, um, you know, real estate books, that you want to read. What I would recommend is try to figure out what part of the business do you want to be in? Do you want to set up an LLC and, and passively invest with other operators or do you want to be active and try to find the property and do all the operational stuff um, and, uh, you know, find partners, et cetera. So, cause that's a business. So it's, 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 they're both businesses, but they're, they're two separate things. So just figure out what you, what, what you want to do first. Um, and because uh, that's pretty important, that'll kind of lead you in the direction you want to go. Um, and then, um, like, I, like I said, it's always good to have a mentor. Um, I offer a, a mentorship program. It's kind of new, so I only have a couple students right now, but um, I haven't even broadcasted it yet to kind of get them on their feet and, and, and have them learn, um, depending upon what their goals are. Um, but, you know, finding a mentor and, you know, potentially partnering with them on a deal or whatever the case may be, that's, um, you know, also a good option to get started. Um, but there's plenty of different resources. I would just say, you know, network and, and find someone who's doing what you want to do. Oh, yeah, definitely. You can always find people just like we connected. I think that was on uh, yeah. Facebook, right? Yeah, so we, we, yeah Mark. We, Exactly. Just connect on Facebook, you know, add, add people, connect on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. I mean, there's all these different, you know, sources, uh, you know, for, you know, for the wealth of these people that you can go and tap in and, you know, uh, get their attention for a second and jump on a call and, you know, pick their brain a little bit. But of course, at the same time, look, look for ways to add value to those people. Uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, networking is, is a big part of this business. Uh, so talking about um, 2020, I mean, it's it's a beautiful number. It's a, it's a beautiful number, right? But the year is just a little bit turned out to be a little bit different than it's uh, I thought it's going to be. And I think everybody, you know, is just like nobody ex expected those things. 
And I'm sure before the new year, you had uh, your own plan for the business, for what you're going to do, uh, you know, this year, what you're going to accomplish, which I'm sure maybe you adapted again, changed, you know, a little bit uh, for this year. But let's talk about the upcoming year. Let's forget about the entire COVID what are problems and economy, because as you said, uh, U.S. is actually coming back slowly but surely, you know, to the, to the good times uh, again. So maybe you can talk about a little bit upcoming business, uh, you know, opportunities, plans for the 2021. Yeah, um, I would say we're not done with 2020, so we're still working in 2020. Um, but yeah, everything that we plan to do in 2020 material, um, um, in 2019 for 2020 materialized, um, regardless of all the problems, um, which, which is a good thing, um, again, like, told you, what, you know, kind of what we're focused on and um, the product type. And, you know, we, we uh, fulfilled everything that we were going to and, and more. So um, we're working on a couple of things that'll probably be resolved before the end of 2020 right now. Um, so 2020 is not over. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for 2021, yeah, we're, we're, we have had some, some plans in mind already. Um, but uh, the year's not over. That's all I have to say. So we have three and a half months left. Definitely, definitely. I, lo I love your approach and that you're saying that the year is not over because, again, for a lot of people, you know, depending where, what you've been doing prior to this year, and um, again, it, it's still it's still a good time to shift. And you know, there's more opportunities than ever available. You know, because the entire industries are changing, the real estate industries, businesses. I mean, everybody have to adapt and shift right now. So if you are in a right mindset and you're not complaining or have your eyes peeled open and are looking for opportunities, this is it. This is the time. So definitely I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page with you. You know, this is the best time ever uh, for us also. So, you know, guys, just use the opportunities and, you know, go ahead and, and, and you know, make it happen. So, again, it's been a true pleasure to be uh, talking with you on today. Uh, really appreciate the time. I'm sure the audience learned uh, some, you know, nuggets uh, from you about what it takes to be investing in real estate actively or passively. Again, I would like for uh, you guys to get in contact with Anthony. So maybe you can tell what will be the perfect uh, platforms for those people to get in, you know, get in contact with you. Uh, yeah, so... Like I mentioned, Marty, so best way is the website and download that free ebook so you at least you have something to read. Um, but you can find me on everything Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Um, no TikTok. <laughs> but you know, you can find me pretty much pretty much everywhere. Uh, Red Knight Properties is the company is my company, or just type in my name, Anthony Scandariato. Exactly, exactly. So, and if you're looking to learn more about real estate investing, Discover Multifamily Podcast, that's the place to go as well. So, so again, guys, uh, episode 65 uh, of Beating Alpha with Anthony Scandirato. I appreciate uh, you guys watching the episode. If you enjoyed it, uh, click the like or share it with a friend and uh, pass it on the message on what it takes to be involved in real estate that you can invest passively, actively, and uh, the ways you can do it. If you want to learn more, contact with Anthony, and I'm sure he's going to spare some, some time for you to educate about real estate investing and why is it so beneficial uh, for you during these times. So again, I appreciate the time, Anthony. I appreciate you guys watching. I'm going to see you on the next episode. Great. Thank you, Marty, for having me. I really appreciate it.